بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا آف ڈسمبر ان دا ان شاء اللہ ٹو اسپینڈ سیشن ڈسکسنگ دا امپورٹنٹ سبجیکٹ آف سیکرٹ نالج سو فرسٹلی حافظ بن قیم رحمۃ اللہ علیہ ان از دار و مفتاح سعد ون ڈش ون تھری سکس ہی سیٹ ایف دے واز ناٹ اینی ادر بینیفٹ آف نالج بیسائڈ دا ریالٹی دیٹ اٹ پروڈیوس سرٹنٹی وچ از دا گریٹسٹ مینس آف لائف فار دا ہاٹ اٹ ووڈ بی سفیشینٹ ان ورچو For this reason did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala load its people in his book and praise them when he said in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2 verse 4 وَبِالْآخِرَتِهُمْ يُقِنُونَ And in the hereafter they believe with certainty and he condemned those who do not have any certainty when he said in Surah An-Namr, Surah 27 verse 82 For mankind believe not with certainty in our signs. So the great Hafiz ibn Qayyim, he said, if there was no other virtue or benefit of knowledge besides this one fact, meaning there's far more virtues. But if there wasn't, hypothetically, just this would be enough to show its greatness. And it's certainty. And then he mentions two verses. One in praise, one in condemnation. The praise that Allah the Almighty gives is for those who believe in the hereafter, yuqinun, with certainty. So how did they get to that level? They believe in the hereafter with certainty, with knowledge. And then he condemned those when he said, mankind believe not with certainty in our signs. So note, it is with knowledge that he mentioned it is the greatest means of life for the heart. Indeed, the heirs of the prophets, alayhi salatu wasalam, need to be honored. Hafiz Zahabi rahmatullahi in his seer 8-308, Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak rahmatullahi, he said, Whoever belittles the scholars has lost his hereafter. Whoever belittles the leaders has lost his worldly life. And whoever belittles his brothers has lost his sense of honor. <laughs> so Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak from the Salaf, Rahmatullah from the Tabi'een era, he mentioned three belittlements. And he said, if you belittle the scholars, you lose the hereafter. Hafiz ibn Asakr, Rahmatullah he said, The flesh of scholars is poison. Meaning, don't disrespect the scholars because this will destroy you. Then he said, whoever belittles the leaders loses his worldly life. Why? Because obviously the Amids are the ones in charge of the dunya. And then whoever belittles his brothers has lost his sense of honor. Why? Because you're supposed to defend them, not to belittle them. Echoing further, Sahal ibn Abdullah al-Tustari, rahmatullahi, he said, The people will not cease to be upon good as long as they hold the lead and scholars in high esteem. 
Indeed, if they hold these two in high esteem, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will rectify their worldly and their hereafter affairs. But if they foolishly belittle these two things, then they ruin their worldly life and their hereafter. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi in his Majmu Fatawbah 35-12. So, Sahal ibn Abdullah al-Tustari, he said that the leaders and the scholars, if you honor them, you will rectify your world and the hereafter. So these are the two that help you both. And if you belittle these two, you ruin your world and the hereafter. So note explains the previous statement of Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak rahmatullahi. And similarly, Ayyub ibn al-Qariyah rahmatullahi, he said, the people who are most deserving of exaltation are three. The scholars, the brothers and rulers. Whoever belittles the scholars has corrupted his religion. Whoever belittles his brothers has corrupted his sense of honor. And whoever belittles the rulers has corrupted his worldly affairs. Whilst the sound-minded person does not belittle anyone. Recorded by Hafiz Zahbi in his seer 4-346. So here Ayyub ibn al-Qadi rahmatullahi he said these three are the ones that you need to respect. If you belittle the scholars, you corrupt the religion. If you belittle your brothers, you corrupt your own honor. And if you belittle the rulers, you corrupt your worldly affairs. And then he said in praise, the sound-minded person does not belittle anyone. In fact, there's a direct report from the Prophet and he said that when two sections of my ummah are upright, my whole ummah will be upright. And when these two sections are corrupted, my ummah will be corrupted. And the companions asked, who are they, Ya Rasulullah? And he said, the scholars and the rulers. So if the scholars are upright and the rulers, it has a knock-on effect. The ummah will be rectified. If they are corrupted, it has a knock-on effect. So note the importance of these, these, uh, these personalities. Consider the magnificent Imam Abu Hanifa. So this work is by Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Haytami, which he entitled Al-Khayratul Hisan Fi Manaqib al-Imam Abi Hanifa al-Nu'man. So who is this called? Hafiz ibn al-Hajar al-Haytami. He should not be confused with Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Skalani. They got the same name. Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Haytabi, he was a Shafi scholar. So now what's interesting, the work he wrote is about the virtues of Imam Abu Hanifa. So what does that tell you? That the righteous scholars, they don't have camp syndromes. He was a Shafi scholar. He, didn't, he did not write a work on the virtue of Imam Shafi. He wrote a work on the virtue of Imam Abu Hanifa. So what does he say? A stranger once passed Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi and he said to those sitting with him, this is a traveler. He is holding a sweet meat under his arm and he is also a teacher. When they investigated, they found the Imam to be correct on all three assertions. So stop in the report. So imagine, a man walks past and immediately Imam Abu Hanifa said, he is a traveler. He is holding a sweet meat under his arm. He is also a teacher. So he's a traveler, he's a teacher. How did he know that? 
when they investigated, he was right. So they asked, because how did you know this, O Imam? So Imam Abu Hanifa said, I saw that when he was walking, he was looking to the left and right as only a stranger would. I then saw that there were flies sitting on his sleeve, which would mean that he had something sweet under his arm. Lastly, I saw him staring at some youngsters as only a teacher does, which proves he was a teacher. <laughs> so now, why is it, what's interesting about this report? What was Hafiz ibn Hajjad al-Haytami highlighting? He was highlighting the insight. You know, when people say how great were the Imams, people go straight to what they've memorized or they, they worship. This report is thinking out of the box. Notice he saw somebody and how did he know that? Because he was observing him intricately. He goes, he's a traveler. He's holding a sweet meat under his arm. No, nobody could see it. And he's a teacher. And when they asked him to explain, he gave all the reasons for that. Mm. It is famously related that Imam Abu Hanifa, he once refrained from eating sheep meat for seven years. For a stolen sheep had got mixed up amongst the other sheep of Kufa. Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Haytami in his Al-Khairat al-Hisan fi Manaqibil Imam Abu Hanifa and Nu'man, he said, Rahmatullah during this time, Imam Abu Hanifa saw a soldier throwing a morsel of sheep into the river. Thus, he now inquired the live spine of a fish. And he was informed that they lived for a year. He thereupon also refrained from eating fish for an entire year. So now think about this. Now was Ibn Hajar al-Hayatami saying, he's showing his taqwa. Why did he stop eating sheep, sheep meat? Because a sheep had been stolen. And how long did they live? Seven years. So he goes, the only way I can be sure that I haven't ate anything unlawful is if I do not eat sheep now for seven years. So let me ask you a question. Did he need to go that far? In fact, he didn't need to do anything. You know, I didn't steal the sheep. Allah is not going to question me about it. And then secondly, he then saw a soldier having a meat piece of meat and he chucked it into the river. So immediately he wanted to now know that maybe a fish has ate that. And he asked, he goes, they live for a year or so, Imam. He stopped eating fish for a year. Because he was thinking maybe a fish is going to be caught and it was that very fish that swallowed that morsel. He goes, therefore it will get into my system. So now, what does that tell you? These were on another level. His phenomenal taqwa can also be gauged from the following report. Again, the same reference. Al-Khayratul Hisan fi manaqib al-Imam Abi Hanifa and numan The Khalif Ja'far Mansur once gave Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi gifts up to 30,000 dirhams on many occasions. Once Imam Abu Hanifa came to him and said, O Amir, I am a stranger in Baghdad. And people have left their possessions in my trust. I do not have any safe place to keep it. So please secure it for me in Bayt al-Mal. The Khalif said, fine. And when Imam Abu Hanifa passed away, the trust kept in the Bayt al-Mal was now taken back out. It was then that the Khalif discovered, subhanAllah, that it was all the gifts he had given to Imam Abu Hanifa. 
of which he had not taken a single dinner. <laughs> the Khalif said, Abu Hanifa outsmarted me. <laughs> so now what's he doing? He doesn't want anything from the rulers. The Prophet ﷺ told the scholars to keep away from the doors of rulers. One report says you lose two-thirds of your iman if you go to the doors of rulers. Frightening reports. So he sent him gifts, nothing wrong with that. You know, you honor the scholars, like the Prophet said. So from his angle, no problem. But the question is, where is he coming from? Is the Khalif giving it out of his own wealth or is it Bayt al-Mal? Meaning he's not entitled to it. So Imam uh, Abu Hanifa didn't return it. He just kept it with him, 30,000. Well, look what he did. <laughs> SubhanAllah. He went bike. And he goes, I am a stranger in Baghdad. People have left something in my trust. He wasn't lying. <laughs> he goes, I can't find a safe place. Can you put it in Bayt al-Mal? <laughs> So Imam Abu Hanifa thought this money might be from the Bayt al-Mal, he needs to go back. So this is what he hatched. He goes, fine. And only when he passed away, the Khalif goes, he outsmarted me. So now what do you learn? Why was he so particular, so fearful and had such a high level of taqwa? Because the Prophet wasallam, the, sorry, the, the Quran Allah Ta'ala mentions in Surah Baqarah, kitab la this is the book in which there is no doubt a guidance for the people of taqwa so if you are truly an imam you have to have taqwa the quran is telling otherwise the quran is not going to guide you so just applying these few glimpses into his taqwa do you honestly believe that allah is not going to guide him? and that's why he became the greatest imam imam Rahmatullah. Again, another report in the same reference. Al Khayratul Hisan fi Manakibul Imam Abu Hanifa and Nu'aman. When Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah performed his final Hajj, he gave away half his wealth to the caretaker of the Kaaba so that he would allow him to perform two rakat salat inside the Kaaba. So it's his last Hajj, and the Oliya, they get a kind of a inspiration that they're coming to the end of their lives. So he must have felt that. And he goes, I've never prayed inside the Kaaba. So he wanted to pray inside. So he gave half his wealth to the caretaker of the Kaaba. He goes, just let me pray two rakats inside. He was given permission. Imam Abu Hanifa recited half the Quran in the first rakat. And the other half of the Quran in the second rakat. He then made the following dua. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I did not recognize you as you ought to be recognized. And I did not worship you as you ought to be worshipped. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive this shortcoming of mine. Subhanallah. A voice was then heard from the corner of the Kaaba. Rather you have recognized and recognized well. And you have carried out sincere service. I, subhanahu wa ta'ala, have forgiven you and all those who will follow your teaching until the day of resurrection. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah. This is in Al-Khayratul Hisan fi Manakib al-Imam Abi Hanifa al-Nu'man. So now, what's interesting here, he wants to pray inside the Kaaba, it's a sunnah. The Prophet prayed inside the Kaaba. He gave half his wealth. He thought two rakats and he spent a lot of time there because he recited the entire Quran. But after that incredible two rakats, look at his humility. 
because I did not recognize you as you ought to be recognized. Imagine an Imam and Oliya saying that. He goes, I don't recognize you as you ought to be recognized. I didn't worship you as you ought to be worshipped. He goes, forgive me. <laughs> so a voice, what was this voice? So obviously, possibly an angel, alayhi salatu wasalam. And it said, rather you have. And look at the great glad tidings. I have forgiven you and all those who will follow your teachings until the day of resurrection. So this is actually a stump for the Hanafis. From the Ghayb obviously a Karamat, giving glad tidings to those who followed the Imam and all who sincerely followed his teachings, his understanding. So this is important. We've got to stay the obvious now because it's Qiyamat science. When a person says he's Hanafi, it doesn't mean that he's not following the Quran and Sunnah. People say, look brother, you know, some crazy statements come out. I don't, brother, do you follow, uh, which thing do you follow? And what do they say? You follow Quran and Sunnah. So what are they actually implying? They're actually implying that if you follow a fiqh, you don't follow the Quran and Sunnah. But anyway, when you say you are Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi, Hanbali, you are saying that you are following the understanding of these luminaries, their understanding of the Quran and Sunnah. You understand? Because at the end of the day, you have to go through an alim to get the understanding. So you go to the highest levels. So again, note the glad tidings here. Those who follow the Hanafis, Allah himself says, I will forgive them. Showing his status. Rahmatullah. In another report, it mentions, again, the same reference. Al-Khayratul Hisan fi manakib al-Imam Abu Hanifa an-Nu'man. A person sitting in the gathering of Muqatil ibn Sulaiman, Rahmatullah once stood and he said, I saw a dream that someone descended from the sky wearing white clothes and he stood on the highest minaret of Baghdad and he called out, What a great thing you people have lost. To stop in the report. So, they're in a gathering of Muqatil. Muqatil is a famous uh, uh, personality from the Salaf, from the Tabatabi. He, he, he comments upon the Quran a great deal, Muqatil. And he was told by somebody that I had a dream. Somebody came from the sky wearing white clothes on the highest minaret of Baghdad. He goes, what a great thing you have lost. Muqatil replied, Rahmatullah if this dream of yours is true, meaning it might not be true, but if it's true, then the greatest scholar in the world will pass away soon. Not much time had passed when he received the news of the passing of Imam Abu Hanifa, on which he said, it is extremely sad that the very person has passed away who solved the difficulties of the Ummat. So now what was the dream? The dream was that the people did not realize what they had lost. And look how sad it's still true today. How many people belittle the great Imam Abu Hanifa? Some say he only knew 17 hadiths. Right? And some say he was weak in narrating. How can a Mujtahid Imam how can a tabi'i be weak? That's the first question to ask. 
Secondly, how can a Mujtahid Imam be weak? And thirdly, how can an Oliya be weak? And they're all combined in this one month. So even logically, what are you talking about? If he's weak, everybody is, you know, I must be the biggest liar on earth. Astaghfirullah. So not people don't realize his value. So what happened? Muqatil said, if it's true, the greatest scholar in the world, he didn't say in Iraq, in the, he goes, in the world will pass away soon. Because it was the highest minaret. And what happened? Imam Abu Hanifa passed away. And then Muqatil said, what a, what a loss that we've lost the one who sought the difficulties of this ummah. So note, why am I mentioning all these reports? Because it's by a Shafi scholar. You know, you could argue, oh, this is a Hanafi who's got extreme love for Imam Abu Hanifa, so he's narrating all this. Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Haytab, he was Shafi. So he was highlighting this was a great man. It is related, again in the same reference. Al-Khayratul Hisan fi manakib al-Imam Abu Hanifa an numan After completing his bathing, Qadi Hassan ibn Ammar, rahmatullah said, O Abu Hanifa, rahmatullah may Allah have mercy upon you. You fasted for 30 years. You never slept the night for 40 years. You were the greatest faqih amongst us, the most ardent worshipper, the most abstinent, and the possessor of most virtue. Even when you passed away, you left upon the sunnah and piety. Your departure has left those alive in difficulty. Hordes of people then started arriving. I for the funeral. 50,000 people participated in the funeral prayer or more. The funeral prayer was offered six times. And the final time it was led by his son, Hamad ibn Abu Hanifa. Due to the overwhelming crowds, his burial could not be completed until after the Asr Salat. So this is a glimpse into his funeral. So what happened? Qadi, this is the, the one who gives uh, rulings, who is the judge of the, of the land. He praised him and he mentioned some qualities about it. He goes, you fasted for 30 years, meaning you fasted for years on end. You never slept for the night. And there's a famous report where he was walking. And one of the youngsters said, look at this man. He goes, he prays all night. So Imam Baba Hanifa felt, you know, uh, embarrassed. He goes, how can I, how can people speak about me and I'm not doing what they're saying? So then he, he didn't sleep at night. He prayed all night. <laughs> he would do wudu, pray isha, and then he would go home and pray all night. So this Qadi said, you, you never slept the night for 40 years. And he would sleep, obviously, in the afternoon. The Qaylula was essential for him. You were the greatest faqih amongst us. The Qadi is saying this. You were the greatest worshipper, the most abstinent, the one with the greatest virtue. Because now we are left in difficulty. And then look at the report. 50,000 people attend to me. That, that's what the capacity could be. But the funeral prayer was offered six times. Mm-hmm. And only after Asr was he finally buried. Indeed, the passing away of a scholar is a great calamity about which Ayyub As-Sakhtiyani said, Indeed, the death of a man from the Ahlus Sunnah reaches me and I feel as if I have lost one of my limbs. Indeed, the death of a man from the Ahlus Sunnah reaches me 
And I feel as if I have lost one of my limbs. This is in Abu Nu'im Al-Hiliyah 3-9. So how much did they feel when the great Imam passed away? Why? Because these were scholars of the highest level of, of uh, understanding. Imam Abu Hanifa also had other sterling qualities. Once the people, they were sitting and they were discussing who's the greatest scholar. And they came down to two personalities. Because it's Imam Abu Hanifa and another said Sufyan al-Thawri. So they then said they were, they were different. So they arranged a way to find out who was the greatest. And what was their test? The test was to take out the Qaylula of Imam Abu Hanifa. Don't forget, he only slept in the afternoon. So one of the men went, and he went at the time that Imam Abu Hanifa is about to rest, Rahmatullahi. And he hears a knock, so he gets up, and there's a man there. And the man goes, sorry to disturb you, honorable Imam, but I've got a question for you. He goes, what's the question? Because I forgot. So Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahmatullahi, said, when you remember, come back, because you know where I am. He went back, put his head down. Some time passed, probably just about to go to sleep, another knock on the door. He gets up, goes to the door, it's the same man. He goes, oh, honorable Imam, forgive me, I've remembered. He says, what is it? He says, I forgot. <laughs> so Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahmatullahi, he goes, don't worry, because if you remember, then come back to me. This time, obviously, imagine, he just got his head down, probably going to get that crucial sleep that he needs. Knock on the door again. Same man again. He goes, I've remembered. So he goes, what's your question? So you would expect the question to be very difficult because he forgot twice. <laughs> His question was, Oh, honorable Imam, does human excrement taste sweet or sour? <laughs> so Imam Abu Hanifa looked at him and he said, It's sweet if it's moist, but when it dries, it's sour. So the man then, one report says, how do you know? So what was he implying? Astaghfirullah. He was implying that he tasted it. <laughs> Trying to you know, trigger him. So Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi said, because he goes, don't you look at flies. Flies sit upon moist excrement. There must be sweetness. When it dries, no flies. So the man then broke down, kisses his hand, he goes, oh Imam, forgive me. He goes, this was a test. So Imam Abu Hanifa goes, what's the test? What, what test? And he goes, we were sitting, we were discussing who is the greatest scholar, this, that, and the other. And we realized it's the one who's got four parents. So we devised this. We realized you needed your sleep. So Imam Abu Hanifa didn't say anything. Now, why did they test him on four parents? Because the Prophet he made a dua. Imam Sayyuti records it in his jami. The Prophet said, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, beautify my knowledge, my ilm, with hilm. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, beautify my knowledge with forbearance. So what beautifies knowledge? Forbearance. So they wanted to know whether he had it. A notice, be honest, which mufti in today's day and age, if he's playing online, that's the first thing, where are we going to find this guy from? Secondly, you disturb him at Kailula time, he's not going to even open the door. He'll be snoring. Right? And imagine he does open the door. You know, how many would pass these tests? I forgot. 
You know, you probably say, well, why did you knock on the door then? <laughs> you know, write it down so you don't forget. Second time, you would have probably done a flying kick on him. Third time, when he hears the question, imagine, what would the Mufti do? What sort of a question is that? And then he goes, how do you know? <laughs> right? And notice, he refused because he had four beds. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ, he said, nothing beautifies knowledge more than forbearance. Nothing beautifies knowledge more than forbearance. This is in Qanzul Umar. So Imam Abu Hanifa, he had that. But, to finish, he was actually following the example of one of the holy prophets, Dhul Kifr. Dhul Kifr, More say he's a prophet. There is a view that he's not, but more say he's a prophet. So, who is this? Zulkifl he came after the time of Ayyub. Some say it was his son. And there was a prophet at the time, he was old and he needed somebody. He goes, I need somebody, oh my Lord, I'm getting old to take my place. So, the prophet, I'm summarizing the report, uh, is in Marif al-Quran. The prophet then got the people together and he says, which one of you prays all night, fasts? And he mentioned the third quality. I can't remember the third. And a young man gets up. He goes, I do. I pray all night, I fast every day. And he mentioned the third quality. So Zulkif, uh, the prophet of the time, he doubted that. Because he thought, this is a youngster. Anyway, the next time, the next day, he makes the same proclamation. The same man gets up. Zulkifl, uh, the Prophet realizes that this is the one who's going to succeed. So what happened? He says, you now start judging. You take over the role of my judgment. So anyway, just like Imam Abu Hanifa, Zulkifl was his name, he needed that rest during the afternoon. When Shaitan heard about his appointment, he first told the little Shaitans, Try to slip him up. Try to make sure that he doesn't get this appointment. There goes he's in he's in because he's indestructible because we, we can't even go near him. So Shaitan goes, leave it to me, I'll sort him out. So what happened? Shaitan came to him in the form of an old man and he's judging. So Zulkifu judging and he starts, and he's talking and talking, and he's making, and he's talking so long that it goes past the Kailuna time. Mm. So he's spinning, you know, this yawn. Oh, my people have oppressed me, and on and on and on. And then Zulkifal says, okay, no problem. He goes, come back to me tomorrow, and I will help you. So the old man leaves, doesn't turn up tomorrow in the morning when he's doing the judgment. So he's lied to him. So the second day, Zulkifal's not at his rest now. Prayed all night, he's not at the Kailuna, he hasn't had sleep for a day. He comes again, the old man, Shaitan, just before Kailuna. He goes, oh, judge, you know, please forgive me, and my people are doing this and that to me. He goes on and on and on. <laughs> Makes him go past his Kailuna time again. So to cut a long narration short, this happened three times. He's, he's lost his sleep three times. This time, Zulkifl, alayhi salatu wasalam, he tells his family, do not let anybody come to me at the time of Kailuna. Mm. So the door was basically secured. So now Zulkif was resting, and Shaitan comes to the door, old man, he goes, sorry, he goes, you know, he needs his rest. 
So then what happens? Shaitan, the report goes, he comes through a ventilator, comes inside through like an opening, maybe change shape because he's a jinn. He enters and now he's inside the chamber. So Zulkifl looks at him and he starts that yarn again. He goes, oh, you know, this, that. So Zulkifl then realizes this is Shaitan. How has he got in here? And then he asks him, what mischief are you up to? So Shaitan says, I tried to trip you up. But I've realized that you are chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what's interesting about this narrative, he's called Zulkifl, that means the one who worships Allah and the one who judges Allah. Very similar to Imam Abu Hanifa, rahmatullahi. So note, what was the test? The tests were, for the great ones, you notice, is to do with the extraordinary zuhud and worship that shaitan attacks. Well, for people like me and you, Farad's in jeopardy, forget about, you know, attacking us in time of Kailula. We know what was Kailula, brother. Go to sleep, Miss Fajr. No, you are. Peace shoot attacks, you are. Astaghfirullah. So this was the great Imam Abu Hanifa, may Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on all the Imams and scholars of this Ummah and forgive us all for their undoubted sake. Amen. Are there any questions?